What's up, peeps? We're back. As always, I'm your host, Lee Benson. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast edition of the AEW Insider. I know I always say we got a big show or a good show, but we do have a big show. Uh, This weekend was a big weekend for wrestling. We had a bunch of shows, plus Impact's biggest pay-per-view of the year, WWE's Hell in a Cell. So I do have coverage of that. I know you guys might be like, hey, those are days old, yada, yada. But I didn't want to put it out yesterday because of Monday Night Raw. And usually shows don't do good when wrestling is actually on TV. But I still wanted to bring you the results. So I got the results. Also on the show, John Silver of The Dark Order talks about The Dark Order and BTE, a.k.a. being the elite. Kylie Ray pulls a Tessa Blanchard and no shows on Impact Wrestling. Lance Storm does want that final match, and we got a lot more. Remember to stick around to the end of the episode to find out how you can win a WWE Elite Fiend action figure. We're giving it away at 300 subs on our YouTube channel, and right now we're at 291. So nine more subscriptions, and boom, we're going to have our drawing for that figure. And then I will announce the next prize, which is awesome as well. All right, since this is the AEW Insider, let's start off with some AEW news. Now, Santana and Ortiz was on Talk as Jericho. They talked about AEW, WWE, Impact Wrestling, and more. This is what they had to say. Cody had contacted us, and it was just like, hey, how long do you have left at Impact? Based off of that, we already knew we had another option. At the time, we were trying to negotiate with Impact. We were like, hey, we need a little bit more money. And they were just kind of going back and forth with us, which I understand. They're running a business, so they're not going to just outright give us exactly what we want. Just going back and forth with that and knowing that we had other options in the back pocket. And also, WWE was an option at the time because Jeremy Barash now works there. That was our end. So we were just like, okay, what are we going to do? It was just a couple weeks out from leaving Impact, and we still didn't know. We were really sitting there and trying to make the decision, and they were like, all right, Just stay for one more year. Just do one more year and we'll figure something out. We were going over it in our heads. What are we going to do? We're going to just stay here. People are going to turn on us. And if we stay here, it kind of feels like we're never going to be able to leave. Maybe they bury us if we stay here or something shitty happens. It was like, hey, we're willing to do business the right way. We'll lose on the way out. We'll put over whoever you want us to put over. We just felt like it ran our course, and we loved the people there. We loved working there, and we just felt we needed to grow. We felt like we were a big fish in a small pond. Not that we weren't being challenged, but we wanted a challenge to try to work our way actually up somewhere. In his great WCW, me, in his great WCW days, Chris Jericho used to have this toothless bodyguard. His name was Rufus. Well, unfortunately, Rufus passed away not too long ago, where Jericho revealed this passing to the masses. While speaking to Inside the Ropes, Chris Jericho revealed that he had to get WCW to pay Rufus, or Ralphus, I apologize, for his weekly roles on television. He was driving a lighting truck for the company and making a paycheck that way. Jericho still thought that Ralphus deserved extra money for his on-screen role. Jericho said, 
I was like, can you give Ralphus some money? He goes out there every week. Can you give him like 500 bucks or whatever? And so they started paying him 500 bucks. Sometimes they forget, and I always go and I help him out. One day he came over to me and he goes, listen, I got to talk to you about something. When am I getting a contract? And I was like, dude, a fucking contract? You're not getting a contract. Hilarious. Jer and then come to find out, Jericho even wanted Ralphus to go with him to WWE. Jericho said, I was leaving to go to WWE at the time, and I was like, wow, it'd be really fucking cool if Jericho shows up on Raw with Ralphus by his side. Like, I was really thinking that. Like, what the fuck was I thinking? And I mentioned to him one day, I was like, hey, what do you think about going to WWE? And he was like, I'm in. We gotta get out here. We gotta get out of here. This place is losing. Keep in mind he's still driving their lighting truck around. Then a couple of weeks weeks later, he comes over to me. He says, When are we going to New York? New York is slang for WWE, old school wrestling talk. And I'm like, I never once called WWE, aka New York, for you. We're finding this shit out. Now he's still now he's all in the wrestling business like kayfabe, brother. I don't know what he meant at the end, but that's what it said. And real quick, I do have to take a minute to give props to the Dark Order and, excuse me, the Dark Order on BTE and just in general. Every fucking week for the past few months, the Dark Order has been the best thing on being the elite and they're absolutely killing it, especially John Silver. He recently sat down with Living in the Gimmick podcast and he talked about his gimmick, his role on BTE and bringing that role into the ring. Silver said, I never knew that, excuse me, I never knew that was expected or wanted from me, especially being in a dark order gimmick. You think of creepy cult guys that are brainwashed to be in this group, basically. So I just did this look consistently, just tried to act vicious when I was in a ring. But then when I started doing the BTE, they were like, why are you doing this on TV? And I was like, shit, how am I supposed to now? So now it's almost a challenge to be even more out there and more ridiculous and outrageous. It's like, it's okay. I can just be me. Now you're seeing the John Silver be actually John Silver. And about Luke Harper joining the Dark Order. Once we started doing the bits, it was like natural chemistry, especially on camera and in real life too. But on camera, you can clearly see when it's something just clicks. But even backstage, we joke around, and Luke Harper's been great. He kind of helped us get more of an identity, and especially on television, where it's like, okay, he's the leader, he's the big guy, he is the shit, the strong muscle, the fucking top dog, and we're like his corporation almost. So it kind of made us feel like we knew more of a direction that we were going to just instead of being in this group. And I do have to agree. They're awesome. Harper's awesome. And John Silver is fast becoming one of my favorites. All right, Pete. So when we get back, we do have some WWE news. We have the WWE Hell in the Cell results and my thoughts on it. We have Bound for Glory results. We got uh, Impact News, Ring of Honor news, plus some random wrestling and sporting news. So make sure you don't go away and you tune back in. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back, peeps. Remember to stick around to the end of the episode to find out how you can win the WWE Elite Fiend action figure. Let's move on to some WWE. As you all know, WWE had their 2020 Hell in a Cell pay-per-view last Sunday, and it was actually one of the better pay-per-views of the year. 
So here are the results, the card, blah, 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 what have you. A match that they did add in that I wasn't aware of was actually Drew Gulak versus R-Truth for the 24-7 championship. Instead of it being a joke match, it just goofy sneaking people and pinning each other and taking it, these two had a legit match, to, and it was pretty good. Truth did pin Gulak for a three count, and he got the win clean. Gulak was in shock. Drew Gulak got the microphone and told Truth that his childhood hero, John Cena, sucks, which is a throwback to an old R-Truth skit, and it had me crying. Your winner, R-Truth. After that, Ali and Retribution came on screen and challenged a person from the Hurt Business to take on one of their members from Retribution, and they even said MVP could pick who it was. Now on to the main show. They did kick off the main show with Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso, which was a total shocker for me. Now, the match was very slow, like most of Romans have been as of late, but it was fucking good. I was wondering if they could keep it interesting while the match was going so slow, and they definitely did. These two beat the piss out of each other with chairs, leather straps, the cage, what have you. Reigns hit Jay multiple times with spears during the match. At one point, Roman got him in his new submission, a.k.a. the guillotine, and he just choked him out. Jay couldn't even respond to say I quit because he was passed out. The ref wanted to call the match, but Roman would not let him. A bunch of officials came out, and uh, what you call, Roman wasn't hearing it. He actually closed the cage door and threw the steel steps into the ring and put it on top of his cousin's neck. He then picked up the steps, and Jimmy Uso came out to stop Roman. Jimmy said, what's wrong with you, Uso? What are you going through? Whatever you're going through, we can help you get through it. Roman sat down in the middle of the ring, and he was started to cry, like legit. Roman said, I don't even know who I am anymore, bro. Jimmy put his hand out. Roman hesitated. Roman took his hand. He grabbed it, and then he put Jimmy in the fucking chokehold. The two twins were holding each other's hands while Jimmy was getting choked the fuck out, and his brother was fucked up on him after being choked out. They were just holding each other's hands. He kept choking Jimmy, kept choking him until Jay said that I quit. The shit was crazy. In the end, he left both of his cousins in the middle of the ring, broken physically and emotionally. I'm telling you, the fucking Roman Reign Uso storyline is the best thing on TV right now. And I never thought I'd say that because I could not stand Roman Reigns as a baby face. But your winner, Roman Reigns. We do have Elias versus Jeff Hardy. The match was lackluster. I liked them both, but it was nothing special. In the end, Elias went to hit Jeff with his guitar, but Jeff got the guitar from him and hit Elias with it, but the ref saw it and he DQ'd Hardy. So your winner, Elias. They did have the Miz versus Otis for the Money in a Bank contract. Now, this match could have been really bad, that the story was great. In the end, Tucker attacked Otis with the Money in the Bank briefcase and caused them to lose the Money in the Bank contract. So everybody who thought they were going to get back together, even though they're on different shows, it's not going to happen. Your winner, The Miz. And I really, really, really hope, I don't care if it's in six months, eight months, what have you, that The Miz actually gets the WWE Championship again. He deserves it. He's a fucking workhorse for the company behind the scenes in front of the camera and he was a damn good champion he could bring a lot of heat so i hope this does lead to the miz getting a well-deserved second world championship run we also had bailey versus sasha banks 
this was a battle. People are saying it was the best match of the night, even though I think the Roman Reigns was. But these two BFFs beat the piss out of each other. What a great match. Your winner and new SmackDown Women's Champion, the boss, Sasha Banks. Now, the Hurt Business was backstage, and MVP said Bobby Lashley would take on the member of Retribution. It would be one-on-one, -on -one, nobody from the inside interfering. And better yet, they actually put up Bobby Lashley's United Championship belt on the line. So next up, we have Bobby Lashley versus Slapjack. Like, who named the guys from Retribution? Who the fuck let these names actually get by? It's just so ridiculous. They have to change them. Uh, Slapjack looks goofy, but I do love his theme music. The match was quick. Retribution came out and attacked in the middle of it. The Hurt Business came out and Retribution retreated. And then finally, we did have the Viper versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Now, this was a great match. It was vicious. They fucked each other up. Two pros just going at it, and I liked it a lot. Orton has been on the top of his game as a late, and at the end of the match, Orton climbed to the top of the hell in the cell, taunting Drew the follow, which he did, even though the ref was trying to stop him. They were both 20 feet in the fucking air, and it looked awesome. Uh, Orton grabbed the pipe, but he didn't get to use it when he tried. They both climbed back down. They got into the ring. Drew went for the Claymore. Orton ducked it, and he hit him with the RKO for the one two. Three. So your new champion is Randy Orton. I told you, man, even though I'm a big Drew fan, wanted him to win for years, it was time for him to pass that strap. Now, as we all would suspect, Carmella is up for a big push. It has not happened yet, but soon we will all we are all supposed to see evidence of it. I, for one, am happy for her. Her gimmicks have always been good. She's solid in the ring. She's a hard worker. And she's eons, eons of light years ahead and better than she was when she was in NXT. I feel also like The Miz, she deserves another title run. So stay tuned, peeps, because Mella is money. And Eva Marie will be all over your televisions soon enough. Uh, well, at last we heard that WWE was re-signing a new contract with the Amway Center to host more shows there. Well, as of December 1st, they will be moving. They are scouting different states, sites, what have you, North Carolina, Texas, Illinois, and they were all discussed this past weekend. WWE needs to find a spot where no team plays and to be able to house the power and weight and requirements that their setup does, you know, what that they bring with them. Now, rumors are that Vince McMahon is not happy with the NXT brand. There is a lot of Survivor Series talk, and NXT is not mentioned at all. People backstage are saying he's pretty much done with the brand because they're getting their asses kicked by AEW, which I hope is not true. All right, Pete's, we got to pay some bills real quick. When I get back, I got the results from Impact's Bound for Glory, plus some Impact news. We got some Ring of Honor news concerning the villain Marty Skrull, plus some random wrestling and sporting news. So make sure you come on back. All right, Pete's, welcome back. It's time to finish out the show. Remember, stick around to the end of the episode to find out how you can win that WWE Elite Fiend action figure. We're only nine people away from giving it away. Let's move on to Impact Wrestling. I do have the Bound for Glory results. 
Bound for Glory for Impact is like WrestleMania. It's their biggest pay-per-view of the year. So first up, we did have the Rascals versus the Deaners. The Deaners did win. After that, we did have the X Division Championship. It was Raju versus Chris Bay versus Jordan Grace versus Trey versus TJP versus Willie Mack. Now, excuse me. Jordan Grace is awesome, and I love how Impact lets women wrestle men as long as they want to. I think it's fucking great. She had a great showing. In the end, though, Rahut or Rahit Raju did win. He's got the belt, and from what I hear, Impact just signed him for like five years to a big contract, so congrats. After that, they did have the Collier Shop Battle Royal. The winner was Rhino. He receives a future title shot, and the storyline was going to go on with him and Heath Slater because the shit that went down in the match, but a little monkey wrench got thrown into that, which I will get into after the results. After that, we had EC3 versus Moose. Now, that match was fucking awesome. It was filmed cinematic like the Undertaker-AJ Styles match, you know what I mean? The John Cena-Bray Wyatt match, it was really good. In the end, though, Moose won. And I guess you could say it's via knockout. Who actually knows? But it's very, very weird because EC3 showed up on Ring of Honor. And it looks like right now he's done with Impact, which really, really sucks. They built up that storyline, built up the character. I just don't get it. But the ending of the match was really good. It was a good pay-per-view. We also had Ken Shamrock with Sammy Callahan versus Eddie Edwards. Ken Shamrock won via submission, and I didn't expect him to lose because he was inducted into the Hall of Fame before the pay-per-view even started. After that, we had the Impact World Tag Team Championship up for grabs. It was the Motor City Machine Guns versus the Good Brothers versus Madman Fulton and Ace Austin versus the North. I've told you guys, if you haven't seen the Motor City Machine Guns in action since they came back, you're fucking missing out because they're killing it. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough. They already lost their pretty much newly won titles to the old champions, the North, via pinfall. So who knows how long the North's going to have these belts much longer, but I'm a fan of them too. Ethan Page is great inside and outside of the ring. After that, we had the Impact Women's Knockout Championship up for grabs, which was Deanna Perrazzo versus Kylie Ray. Uh, Kylie Ray never showed up like I did tell you guys at the beginning of the show, and I will go more into that after this. But a returning Sue Young actually did and took her place, and she also took that title from Perrazzo. So your Impact Women's Championship is now Sue Young. And finally, we did have Eric Young versus Rich Swan for the Impact World Championship. Um, I covered a, an interview that Rich Swan did about all his injuries and all that. After all the shit he's been through, he shouldn't even be able to walk, never mind be inside the ring, or never whine, win, and never mind win that Impact World Championship back, but he did. He already took that belt off of Eric Young ASAP. Your new Impact World Champ is Rich Swan. Now, Impact did announce the return of their knockouts, a.k.a. women tag titles, so that's very good. Also, Heath, Heath Slater took a nasty bump when he was eliminated from the Collier Shot Rumble. He did get a full-time contract with the company, but he was brought to a hospital due to an injury. Hopefully, the injury is not that bad. It will ruin his start with Impact and the storyline he's got going on with Rhino, so we wish you a speedy recovery, Heath. Also, Dwayne The Rock Johnson 
Mick Foley and Bret Hart did videos to induct Ken Shamrock into the Impact Hall of Fame. Like I said, the ceremony took place before the pay-per-view kicked off. And if you want to see them, check them out on YouTube. Now back to Kylie Ray. She had an indie show that she also missed, so people thought she missed Bound for Glory because she was injured or she was sick. Come to find out that's not the case. According to Fightful Select, she drove to Nashville on Friday and contacted Impact Wrestling to confirm when she was required to attend the show on Saturday. She didn't turn up on Saturday for unknown reasons, and Impact Wrestling was forced to change her match. PW Insider has reported has reported nobody at Impact Wrestling is prepared to discuss the situation with them. Although Ray is still with the promotion and expected to return, and they said the same thing about Tessa, didn't they? Kylie Ray became known to the wrestling masses when she signed the AEW in 2019 and debuted at Double or Nothing. She was booked for Fighter Fest, but was replaced by Allie, and afterward it came out that she requested her release, which AEW granted. Kylie Ray would later reveal she needed to get her mind, body, and soul right with God. So obviously, uh, there are some mental and emotional issues there to deal with. These are two big companies that she has done this to, and I think she caught whatever the fuck Tessa Blanchard has. I just I just don't get some of these stars. I really don't. On the Ring of Honor. Now, we all know that the villain Marty Skrull passed on a fat contract to go to AEW and rejoin his elite brotherhood. He took a great deal with Ring of Honor that included a lot, a lot of backstage power. Then his sexual misconduct allegations started coming in when everything started coming out for everybody, pretty much, it seems. Since then, we have not seen or heard much from him. Well, ROH has removed this profile from their website. On the usual, when a company does that, that person is no longer with the company or they, you know what I mean? Or they went somewhere else or just, you know, shit's going on. If they take you off the website, that means you're not working for them. So who knows? We'll have to wait for more details. I mean, if worse comes to worse, he has a job waiting for him in AEW. We see how they handle sexual misconduct. They take you off the TV for about 30 days, a.k.a. a slap on the wrist, and then they bring you back and throw you right back on TV. So if ROH is letting Marty go, expect him to be on AEW once his contract clauses up, if he even has one. Now on to random wrestling and sporting news. This is our final story. Lance Storm was interviewed by FIFO Select and says he doesn't consider himself fully retired and he still plans to compete, uh, excuse me, complete his pack with Chris Jericho. They have had they have their last match together. Sorry, I'm butchering that. But as you know, I reported before, Chris Jericho said it, Lance Storm said it. They made a pact years ago because it was their first match with each other that they're going to have their last match with each other. So I don't know if Lance has to wait for Jericho to get done or whatever, but he's saying he's not retired and he wants to have that match with Chris. Storm and Jericho have noted in the past they agreed to do a match together to bookend their careers. Uh, like I said, they had their first match together. Storm mentioned it recently as back in April he told Fifel that he feel, he still feels great despite not having wrestled in public since 2016 and he's open to it so keep your fingers crossed because AEW will definitely agree with that and do it but none of them are ready to retire yet so who know who knows how long we have to wait but it's going to be a barn burner when they do do so 
All right, peeps, that's it for this episode. Remember, if you want to win a WWE Elite Fiend action figure, you can do it one or two ways. You can simply go to Facebook, look us up under the AEW Insider, and just join our group. we got a great community, tons of wrestling stories all the time. It's a good time. Besides that, you can go to YouTube. We're also under the AEW Insider. You have to be a subscriber. Besides that, pick any video your heart desires and like, share, and comment. You can either do it on Facebook or you can go to YouTube and do that option. And boom, you will be in the running to win the Elite Fiend action figure. If all goes well, I say by the end of the week, I should be doing a drawing. Like I told you guys, I'm doing it at 300 subs. And right now we're at 291. So share the fuck out of this podcast. Spread the words. We can do this giveaway. And I can announce our next giveaway for when we hit 500 subs. Remember to show us some love on all major podcasting platforms. Also on Facebook and YouTube under the AEW Insider and on Twitter under the AEW Insider 1 as in the number one. As always, I'm your host, Lee Benson. Thank you so much for joining us on the AEW Insider. Ciao, peeps.